Good afternoon, Michael Malice here. Let that be your welcome for the next hour. We have with us someone who needs no introduction. It's Alex Jones. I'm a big fan of yours for years, and I've been stalking you, so thanks for letting me on your show. By the way, this is the cool studio in New York. I love it. So I wanted. I like my Princess Leah stuff. Okay, I wanted to ask you since you are very well known as, do you like or dislike being called a conspiracy theorist? You know, used to it was a pejorative, like oh, don't listen to them. But now it's like oh, he, uh, this person's questioning, like Copernicus or Ga- or Galileo questioning the order of the planets. So I mean, I think now it's a overall positive thing. But in the past, it was meant just to make somebody look stupid. Why do you? Wh- I'm going to go through a list of uh, things that are often described as conspiracy theorists. Sure. Theories, and I want you to tell me which of them you believe and which you think are nonsense. Good way to go. Okay. Bigfoot. Conspiracy. Okay. Not Lo- real. Not real. Loch Ness Monster. Not real. Can you explain to the audience what the whole Gulf of Tonkin situation was? Well, that's declassified, uh, but the military came back in 64 to Long Beach and said nobody attacked our ships because they got asked by the newspapers, wow, you were under Vietnamese attack? They attacked your ships? They said, no, it didn't happen. It was made up. They didn't declassify it uh, till 2004. That was however many years after, and they admitted it was staged. They released the LBJ tapes, the McNamara, where they staged the attack on our ships. They just said it happened. It didn't to officially launch the the Vietnam conflict. So... Is this the kind of thing – so this is declassified. So this isn't your opinion. This isn't you know something that you're reading about in some message board. Is it the kind of thing where – but if you told most people what I, you just said, which is declassified information, they would still think of you as either a liar or crazy. Yes, and a lot of it was I didn't realize all the years how many viewers I had. So I'd have fun and screw around on four hours on air and make jokes and things. They would take that and mix it with the serious stuff. But when I'm like – you asked me a real question about Gulf of Tonkin. Anybody doesn't believe me, look it up. That's a real thing that was staged. Uh, whereas Bigfoot, that's like a religion. There's no proof that's happening. There's not great apes running around other than us in North America. If there were, we'd find their bodies. We'd find it all. Nothing against the people that believe in it, but it's, it's made up. And it's the same thing. Loch Ness Monsters, wave formations that happen when it's a it's a clear day and waves bounce off each other. It looks like a sea serpent. I've seen it in Lake Austin where I live in Austin uh, or Lake Travis. So, yeah. Um, there's so many things that become like, oh, you're the lizard guy. I don't say they're secret lizards running things. That's somebody else. They have a right to, but it kind of becomes almost like a, I'm almost like a dictionary character now. Like I'm this card in the tarot deck that is conspiracy. And so anything anyone ever said, supposedly it's me, but it's not. Have you still not seen that movie, The Hunt, where, uh, Hollywood is basically hunting down Trump supporters for sports? I did see it. It's incredible. Did you, what'd you think of, uh, Ethan Suppley's, uh, perfor- version of you? He's basically playing you in the movie. I, I think a composite of us, yes, and I, and I thought it was a well done movie. St- uh, still very shocking, and 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 just the idea that we need to be hunted down is a very dangerous authoritarian idea. Yeah, but don't you think it's clear from the movie that the the celebrities were the bad guys? Oh yeah. Well, I think that's what a lot of people don't get because when that movie came out, like we thought it was all like, oh, it's Trump supporters being hunted for sport, and the argument was these Hollywood people have gone too far. But as soon as you see the movie, there's absolutely no question who the bad guys are. It's not ambiguous; they're the bad guys. Well, that's true, and and I mean, I mean, I get your point because you're a smart guy. My kissing your ass is true. The reason Hollywood lets that out, and maybe the directors people don't realize this, is the general public still takes it as hunt Trump supporters. So see, right. I used to be like you and like go, oh, well, I get the artsy thing of the director. And I saw that and, and, and kind of figured, you know, what you're saying. But at the end of the day, the film is multi-layered 
and it's for different audiences, which is a sign of a good film. But I think for the general public, it says kill Trump supporters. Uh, Pearl Harbor. Did FB- FDR know? Yes, they. that's declassified. They broke the purple and blue code. What are those? What are the purple and blue code? Uh, it was the Imperial Japanese Naval Code. And so the British had already broken it. They gave it to the U.S. This is all declassified. And they knew the attack was coming about two months before the decision had been made uh, by the emperor to go ahead and attack the United States because we'd cut off their oil and were encircling them and fighting them through Chinese proxies uh, at the Yalu River and all the rest of it. And so uh, they then made the decision. We knew about a week before even the date of the attack, eight days before, they knew the exact date of the attack and when. Why do you think that that is not something that is popularly discussed? What's incredible is in the mainline histories, um, the Japanese arrived about 10 hours early with midget submarines and actually attacked. And they had to, like, neutralize the subs, grab them, and the admirals were ordered to keep that quiet so no one knew the attack was coming. So the Japanese even, you know, that was old radio days. You can't blame them. You know, the attack didn't go as, as planned. They actually had to, like, shut up the fact that they sunk two midget subs that arrived early. So, yeah, it was disgusting, prior knowledge, to sucker the Japanese into a war. And it doesn't mean I'm on the Japanese side. It's just, it's a fact that we knew Pearl Harbor was coming. Uh, what about the JFK assassination? Well, that is 100% um, a CIA deep state operation because he was actually trying to be president. You know, Trump has his problems, and I didn't like Trump on many levels, but he was actually the president. He was trying to be the president. JFK was going to end the private Federal Reserve. He's pulling us out of Vietnam. He said no to L.L. sir, the Joint Chiefs of Staff. They had a plan called Operation Northwoods to fly hijack remote-controlled jets you know, into the ground and blame Cuba for an invasion, which would then lead to war with Russia. He said no to that. So the fact that he blocked all that was the reason he was assassinated. What would be the one issue you would tell people to look into to get them to realize that most of what we're being presented as fact by the corporate press is, in, is actually a carefully constructed narrative? Where, uh, let me this no, that's way. a great question. What What's the think, best piece of info? Yeah, what is the one thing that everyone thinks that is the most removed from reality in history? I would think animal-human hybrids. What, wait, 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 hold on. I got to put this on here. Wait, what are animal? Wait, wait, you're saying those are real? Absolutely. I mean, they they've been creating animal-human hybrids for decades. It's in the medical literature, and just now they're admitting that those things exist. Uh, three weeks ago. They tried to pass a law banning it in the Senate, and they failed by like 10 votes. And and so they have human-animal hybrids. Here's why they do it. If you create a human clone, you could argue it has rights. Sure. But if it's part animal, it doesn't have rights. And so it's been in the medical literature for 25 years that I've seen that animal-human clones are being made. And they're doing all sorts of splices between different animals. Yeah, but isn't that the kind of thing where it's like we're going to try to grow a pig with a human liver so we could do a transplant? Yes, but that, that's not nefarious. The point is, is they kept it secret all those years, and they denied it was going on. So you're an informed person, so you actually know what's going on, but then you discriminate, not in a bad way, but you're, you're I'm not kissing your ass too, but the fact that you know all that, you're like, okay, that's just for this. Well, the general public's told it doesn't exist. Because when I come out and talk about animal-human hybrids, they say, that doesn't exist, Alex Jones is crazy. I'm trying to have a debate about those things, and instead of... You saying, hey, here's a reason to have a debate, which we should do. They just say it doesn't exist. 
But I mean, Just like you say that movie is you know the Hollywood people are the bad people. Well, the general public thinks you kill Trump supporters. Yeah, I, okay, I see what you're saying. But yeah. I mean... See, I've learned to like look at what they're actually going to pick up, the general public. Well, it's like trolling. Like trolling on one level, you, you're serious, but if someone's in on it, they know it's a joke. But the person who's not in on it then becomes reacting and then it becomes a kind of a performative thing. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the Biden election. Okay, we remember Super Tuesday. Bernie's ahead in every state other than Minnesota, which is Klobuchar's home state, Senator Klobuchar. The day before Super Tuesday, someone picks up the phone. Buttigieg folds his campaign. Klobuchar folds their campaign. They endorse Biden, even though they were being competitive, if not ahead of him. Uh, do you? What's your thoughts on that situation? Was there someone behind that call? Like, how did that go down? Do you have any insider knowledge? Well, well exactly. No, I mean, I could see it happening just like you did. Biden wasn't popular, and Kamala was even less popular. Yes. And but they were owned by the establishment, and they already made deals. And so all the real candidates, hell, not just those two you mentioned, but you know others like Tulsi Gabbard's, they were way more popular and could have beaten Trump. But they were their own people and might not have been fully controlled, despite you know being part of the system. They were nothing compared to Kamala and and to and to Uncle Joe. And so that's that's why that happened. Here's the question I have for you, and I've, I've discussed this with my friends, and I want to hear your perspective. Barack Obama in 2008 ran very heavily on, on against the Iraq war, ending the wars. Uh, this was a core issue of his. He's very much a product of the Ivy League. He's, everything about him just exudes that kind of Ivy League effete leftiness, right? He comes into office, and he's still drone bombing. He's still you know, having a somewhat aggressive— Well, he said, I'm pretty good at killing people. Yeah, at, at, about foreign policy, especially in the Middle East. Is it the kind of thing, and me and my friends have argued whether, one, he was just a phony the whole time, or, that's one theory, or he he was being somewhat sincere, but he becomes president, they sit him down, they go, okay, cool, you won, here's what you get to be in charge of, here's what everyone else is going to be in charge of, and that's how it's going to be. Which of those do you think is closer to the truth, or is there some third option I don't know about? No, from my research, that's what they do. They actually say, hey, things are too complex, we've already made agreements, you're going to be totally exhausted with your duties as president. We've already got agreements. Here they are. If you've got an idea, you can tell us. But wouldn't you rather worry about re-election and doing your own thing and us making you look good? Or do you want to fight against these entrenched elites? And so that's actually the speech they're given. You're able to run a few things, but we're going to run the main show. We want to support you. If you fight us, you're going to be dead meat. I, I think that's what happened. Duh. Can you not see maybe just playing devil's advocate that that might actually be a good thing that in terms of regardless of who's in the Oval Office, there's going to be some continuity in terms of the law and stability in the country? I like continuity and I don't like things. I'm afraid of the man on the white horse. Okay, yeah. And our system is fundamentally afraid of a Napoleon Bonaparte, an Adolf Hitler, uh, you know, a, a V.I. Lenin type. Uh, but when that system becomes stagnant and becomes destructive of the original idea of the republic, at a certain point, we needed George Washington. I don't think George Washington was a man on a white horse. I think he was a man that we called for, a man of destiny, who then relinquished power and retired to what, you know, the, the swamp in D.C. today. Uh, and so, yeah, if we had a real American elite promoting our values, we had continuity, that would be great. That's what we actually seek after. Instead, we have elites parlaying American power into future corporate empires. And I think it's the corporate attempt at governance, which I'm a libertarian, so I want small government. And, but but I've begun to realize that corporations become like big government too. Yes. So then what's the check and balance? Well, you say, well, it's your actions. It's your choices. Well, big pharma wants to make me do what they're saying. So they're, they're just as bad as the U.S. government or the police now. And so as much as I get mad at police or the U.S. government, now in my life, Google and Facebook and Twitter and, and, and uh, Pfizer are bigger looming on the horizon than government. They have government power, what do I do? Where are you banned and where are you still viable? I am banned 
on hundreds of platforms. They even go through and find out what software we're on. And when we have paid contracts, they just take them away. So we had to build basically all our own software, all our own uplinks, all our own systems. So we have freeworldnews.tv. That's the current site because they've banned on Twitter and Facebook sharing uh, band.video. But people can put that in themselves and go there. And we have the evil infowars.com and uh, newswars.com. But, uh, I mean, it's just an ongoing situation. I'm on a couple hundred radio stations, which the system kind of tried to overlook. They're still huge. I'm on over 100 TV stations and cable stations. Some market's big, some small. They're all precious. Uh, you know, one viewer is precious. Uh, and so we had that when they deplatformed us three years ago. Is why we were still on air. And then and then they had the big tech people. Uh, they, they created a list of the stations. They found them. They called and harassed them. In most cases, it made the stations take me from re-airing me at night to live during the day. So it's a different thing. Like with big tech, they all got in line and censored me. But the attempts to threaten radio stations made the stations put us on prime time. So let's go through the list. Facebook. Are you on Facebook? Oh, banned, yeah. Instagram. Banned. Twitter. Banned. Uber. Banned. How do you, how, they, you got like an email from Uber saying you can't yeah, use If Uber? I put my name in, it won't work. Wow. It's just how it works. But it's a common name. Uh, it doesn't work. They have the code. They have the name. They have the credit Lift. card. It doesn't work. Uh, I've used that. Okay. Are you, uh, should, uh, is this like a dangerous thing? Where if yeah, I add- well, yeah, we're just listing what's going to take next. It's fine. I, 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 it's an important thing. Laura Loomer is even more banned than right. me. Yeah. She can't get Airbnbs. But yeah, keep, keep going through them. They banned me off of LinkedIn. I wasn't on LinkedIn. Somebody else. <laughs> They banned me off. How are you going to network, Alex? <laughs> I mean, listen, what, what's worse than that is when they tell you, we had like a widget on our shopping cart that, that lets people have Patriot points like 10% off of the next purchase. Okay. And we had a bad feeling a year ago, and so we had developers already build one for like $30,000. So that was already ready, but we hadn't switched, and they banned that. The company goes, uh, we got bought. Well, they don't want you having having that function. You can't have that plug-in. That was paying them like 30000 a year for which is, I'll go, oh, great, we already have it. But the point is, is that Nietzsche said that which doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. It's true. He also said, don't stare in the abyss unless you become it. I've actually become it. But we've had to, like, just rebuild everything. And so it, it's very scary, actually, to think about, oh, build your own thing. But when you try to build it, they try to take it away. One of the things that a lot of people in this kind of space are concerned about, very understandably, is credit card processing servers. That, you know, uh, I, was, I bought a... Um, pen stand that was made out of a um, walrus tusk, fossilized walrus tusk. It was perfectly legal. The guy makes like gun uh, handles out of like exotic. Sure, they're dead walruses that died 20,000 years ago. Yeah, yeah. But no, but he, right. But I'm saying the guy's main site is he makes the, I'm not, I'm not a gun person because I'm from Brooklyn. He makes the handles for the guns that like you attach things to make them pretty. He can't use Visa or MasterCard because it's like a gun website. So, I mean, they're being political to that level. Are you still able to get like payment from people? Um. Without getting into it, we've had to go to special banks and special things and pay higher percentage, just like Jews did in Nazi Germany. You know, Hitler comes in in 33. The first six, seven, eight years, Jews can still live. They just had to go pay more and be through the deal. So I have to like li- – I don't compare this to what blacks went through because it was terrible what happened to them, but I don't like it happening to me. Where the black folks, you can't eat in a restaurant. Go around back. We might give you a bag of food if you pay for it. Or you can't use the bathroom here. Go in that outhouse. So that's what I do. I pay double, triple the rates. I get to go around back, sit there and beg, and then I, I for now, for now, I get to get business. One of the things, historically speaking, is that when people talk conspiracy, it always is like one sentence away from it being a Jewish conspiracy. Is that something that you are concerned with promoting accidentally? The only Jewish conspiracy there is is that I'm circumcised, and that is a Jewish idea. So 
I mean, my dick is Jewish. So, so a fun, a, a fun joke. But I mean, no. Yeah, the media, is that funny? It's pretty funny. The media tries to project everything into Jewishness. I don't want to make it black, white, Christian, anything. I want to make it about basic human liberties to get rid of all these things. So I, I love Jews. And uh, I'm not against Israel either. Uh, doesn't mean I agree with some of the things Israel sure. does. When Netanyahu was saying everybody's got to have a microchip or you know, a rare bracelets, you've right, had shots. Right. I mean, I don't like what our government's doing. I don't like what Israel's doing. Uh, so when they try to project that, I'm the last person that drives down the street and goes, that's a black guy, I want to get him, or that's a Mexican, I hate him. What I want them to do is love free market and America and justice and us all live together, have a great party. Uh, but it's the left that keeps injecting that into it. And yeah, the, then the extreme right wing that the big tech lets operate, when I say let them, they just don't let us operate. They turn everything into Jewish conspiracy. They go, oh, Jones is secretly Jewish or Jones is blah, blah, blah. And it's, 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 it's a way to not intellectually debate me on an issue. They just go, hey, doesn't matter what you do, Jones, you're a Jewish agent. And then the weird thing is that I have Sasha Baron Cohen on TV at the ADL meeting saying, Alex Jones is a hate monger and he's to be banned. But I'm not going to blame Jews because Sasha Baron Cohen and the ADL are doing that. But at a certain point, it's just like, wow, I got the Nazis hating me and I got the ADL hating me. I mean, what do you think that is, Michael Malice? You're a smart guy. Um, I, I don't know. I'll have to ask when uh, me and the uh, elders of Zion have our, our session about what to, do, what to do next. No, but I mean, I get that too. I, I don't get it to that extent that you do, but I get people calling me a commie because I'm anti-police, and then the others will call me a Nazi because I don't believe in kind of like uh, that everyone matters and everyone should be taken care of. So I think everyone, to some extent, has to hear it from both sides in a nonsensical way. Well, I think any institution can become corrupt, and I've of got course. big problems with the police. My issue is we got the big argument. I get your point about it overwhelmingly. is this out-of-control power, power block. What about Democrats? They don't want to get rid of the police. They want to harass them, cut their funding till they control them. And then a socialist police, like we see in Canada with ongoing lockdowns. Or San Francisco. Or, yeah, that's horrible. I mean, Yeah, so what people don't realize is San Francisco has, I think, effectively decriminalized petty theft, meaning they said they won't prosecute. For those that don't know, it's like you, you don't go to Walgreens now. You go to the street, and it's all the stolen stuff like a bazaar. Yeah, because they go in the store. There's video. Go, don't, don't trust me. Oh, don't so trust they, load the, they load the... The uh, shopping carts. carts with them, and they just leave the store, and no one's going to do anything, and no one's armed to stop them. It's it, people don't even believe this is real. And then San Francisco bitches when they leave. Right, right, right. Um, I'm going to be moving to Austin the next uh, couple months. Uh, Sorry about missing this badass studio. It's 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 going to be okay. You got to bring these guys. Oh no no no! Don't acknowledge them, please. Um, so we do not acknowledge the staff here at Gas Digital. What do you what do you think as a New Yorker I should look forward to the most about moving to Austin? And how you've been there for a very long time. Yeah, I've been there since high school. From, yeah, how much has it changed since then? It made enormous change. It's enormously. gone from three hundred thousand to by two million. So, what's that had been like for, for you, like as an Austinite? Imagine New York City, a small New York, surrounded by mountains and hills and forests and rivers. So, uh, but I mean, it's kind of like New York. I mean, there's a lot of restaurants, a lot of people, a lot of artists, a lot of cool stuff. I mean, New York's really cool too. Now that it's back open, I mean, it, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I think Austin's better as it's gotten bigger. I actually like the people that are coming in. They're they're really changing it and making it better. What I don't like is the politicians. Yeah, yeah. Like the Democrat politicians are coming there and doing the exact same stuff that Newsom does. And I don't get why. Why don't we adopt like a little bit of Michigan, a little bit of uh, you know New York, a little bit of uh, wherever? Why is it all California? Because whatever it is, man, it's California politics. So all the people I meet from all over the country are awesome. 
It's the politicians that are bad. Would you support a bill to expel California from the union? You know, it's kind of already left the union. I, I, I would support a bill cutting off federal funds to it because it is violating the Constitution Bill of Rights and it's sanctuary cities. I'm not even going to see legal aliens, but you can't like go, oh, you're a murderer. Right. We're not going to let the police pick you up. And then, and then that goes back to that argument. So if you're in the U.S., you've got to follow its system. You can't like be back and forth between both. What are you – what uh, government program or, or agency do you think has been the most destructive of li- – is it the CIA destructive of liberty in You know, country? I like your interview. That's what I thought would happen. I want to I interview you. I've been on your show I repeatedly. Know, I, I know, but about North Korea and I was obnoxious. You weren't I wanna, obnoxious at all. I want to I go through all your great stuff, but the point is what's the most destructive agency? Yeah. Is it the CIA? Yeah. <clears throat> Can you tell people what your version of the history of the CIA is? Because they think it's just basically like a beat cop. Yeah. Um, I mean, they do. Right here in New York, you have Pratt House. What's that? Over on the west side. And that was set up by British intelligence in 1922. Okay. And I'm not blaming the British. I'm not saying it's a British conspiracy. But the British royal imperial model of taking over governments, having front groups control them, was adopted. And so it was on our first movies and all of it, very Anglophile. The the, the actors spoke in English accents. They publicly promoted then and handed out British flags with American flags that we would follow Cecil Rhodes' plan for world government. It didn't work after World War I, but it worked after World War II. And so the U.S. wasn't taken over by the British Empire. We absorbed and adopted Cecil Rhodes' plan for this Anglo-American world government. That doesn't mean white people, folks. It's the Anglo-American establishment, meaning Anglo-American oil, Anglo-American Dutch oil, uh, British East India Company, Dutch-British East India Company. Those are the big corporations. That you, you hear about Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan. These are the original big corporations that actually own all the stock in the private Federal Reserve, the EU banks, the IMF World Bank. They're actually the group above it. And so they then took the OSS at the end of World War II and created the CIA and the National Security Act of 1947, and that act and that agreement was the wedding of the British Empire and all its intelligence and all its money, which was failing after two wars with Germans. They were they were beat up and dying, so it's kind of like they're dying. They handed the, the baton to us. So it's not British intelligence doesn't run us. They literally handed it to us. It was it was actually a Churchill plan, but in, 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 in the second phase, the first phase was Cecil Rhodes. You know, Churchill was half American. Uh, so it's actually a beautiful plan in many ways. It took the world over, but then it got hijacked by leftists and, and eugenicists after because it was still the ghost of Hitler and eugenicists, and that was discredited, so they became the transhumanist. So the Anglo-American establishment and its foundations got hijacked by the transhumanists who are kind of the mad scientists that want to control the evolution of humanity. They claim it's an anti-war movement, but it's really uh, much more intense than that. And, and so the CIA becomes the group with this big master plan for world peace. So the argument is circumvent government, circumvent Congress, circumvent state reps. They're all ignorant hillbillies. We know what we're building. It's for world peace. But really, it was world government for corporations and took over. So we're under the Anglo-American New World Order. China was then set up as a spinoff of that. 
uh, to be the big economic power, to have a false bipolar world that played off against each other. But China, going back about 10 years ago, broke its deal to not be a military power while it's the economic power, whereas the West was supposed to be the military power. They were going to be the economic power. China broke that deal. And now in the last month, it's officially said, screw your new world order. We're going ahead with military and everything. And so now things are broken up again, kind of like Hitler and Stalin in World War II broke up. Uh, the United States and the Anglo-American establishment have, have have broken up with China. And you can decide which one's Hitler or which one well, is Stalin. Well, that's the big question, because Hitler and Stalin are both huge mass murderers and extremely evil people and, and, and uh, authoritarian dictators. So if the choice is between uh, the CIA and the CHICOMs, I, I mean, are you siding with the CIA? You know, there's different camps in both. Okay. I don't know. Tell us. Well, it's just like it, when, when, when empires used to, when wars would stop, you'd marry the princess to the prince. Right. So you'd have two empires merge. And so it, it's so back and forth in cloak and dagger and corporate that, that you've got the Western CIA, that's the Anglo-American establishment, you've got the Chinese intelligence with all its 5,000 years of weirdness. And then the Japanese are over there with us, and it's all really incestuous and weird. There's, a, there's plans within plans, groups within groups. Uh, but right now they're bringing out the Wuhan lab leak, which I said happened a year and a half ago, and they're doing all that to make it about China. And I'm saying, no, it's not about China. It's about Obama and the Wuhan lab, which was at Chapel Hill, North Carolina, six years ago. Our own scientists bitched about it. So they moved the project to China as a UN project in a multinational lab where the UN, which is corporate interest, are now trying to play the West and, and MI6 and the CIA off against the ChICOMs. But at a higher level, the real power, we fetishize, I do too, the CIA, the Chinese, all the, their intelligence. The real power is the corporate intelligence. And so that corporate intelligence has actually got a larger grand game. And I'm trying to figure out what that is. Uh, a very well-discussed historical his conspiracy is communist infiltration of Hollywood back in the day. Reagan was president of Screen Actors Guild. He got his cut his teeth on this because uh, – he gave a speech once to some front group, and he was trying to denounce both fascism and communism. And when he denounced fascism, you know, everyone applauded. And then when he denounced communism, yep, it was a true pin drop. And Reagan's like, "Oh, this this is real stuff." Uh, can you explain to people from your perspective just how bad the communist conspiracy in Hollywood was? Well, absolutely. I don't agree with what McCarthy did, but compared to the persecution of conservatives, it's like a one versus a ten. I mean, so I don't like what McCarthy did. I would rather expose them, politically debate them, promote our ideas and defeat them, not become them defeating them. Uh, but McCarthyism was very, very real, but it was countering cancer. So you can argue, well, he didn't know. It's easy to judge McCarthy 60 years later, yeah. 70 years later. McCarthy was a good man who meant well and went up against our own Pentagon once he learned, hey, our own government promotes communism because they were. They were playing both sides. Uh, what was the question? It was a really good question. Like, uh, how bad was the communist infiltration of Hollywood? I mean, the back communist in the infiltration of Hollywood and the banks and everything was massive. I mean, they almost, I mean, they they already taken over parts of Europe. They taken over the Soviet Union. They taken over Russia. Uh, they 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 taken over all over the world. Uh, and so people are watching this thing where they put you in death camps and enslave you. And the question is, you don't want to become what you're fighting in the process. But McCarthy and Nixon and Eisenhower were very soft touch compared to what communists would do. And, I, and in hindsight, I, I think that it was very measured and, and reasonable. Still, as an American that fetishizes liberty, it, oh, I can stand back and judge it. Uh, but compared to what communists do, again, it, it's, it's nothing. So how do you counter a uh, cancer like that? I think that's you know, really the point. And now the left, 
with their purges and their wokeness and they're taking our bank accounts and they're blackballing us and they're saying get rid of the borders and bankrupt the country and sign up third world populations to come here to exploit. Uh, it's it's just it's it's more sophisticated. It's it's more evil. Uh, than, than anything the Russians, and again, it wasn't the Russians. It was financial elites that in 1917 had set up the Russians on record and, and put the Bolsheviks in power that were using that as a controlled system like the left uses China to try to control us. Uh, and so I'm not worried about China. I'm not worried about what Russia did. I'm worried about these intellectual elites in Europe and the U.S. Uh, that basically use political movements as a tool of power, which they build up and then destroy. Uh, and, and they admit they do it. It's very sick. It's a, it's a, it's a Hegelian dialectic. Uh, do you think that the Bush family had involvement with 9-11? Yes, 100%. 100%? Okay. And, and I would say that Bush himself uh, was, had been a huge cocaine addict and a huge alcoholic. And uh, I've never been a cocaine user, but I've definitely drank plenty. So I understand people have problems. My point is, is I don't think George W. Bush... George Walker Bush ran anything. His father had run the CIA, never being in the CIA, which, of course, he'd been in his whole life. His dad was the head banker for the Nazis, Prescott Bush. That's on record. Very powerful, controlling that secret wealth in, in Latin America. And really stepping in to be the heir to the whole Nazi fortune. So that's why we're the Bushes. Why is his son running assassination operations on JFK? Why is George Herbert Walker Bush... Uh, you know, the head of the CIA when he's 30-something years old. Why is he there when China's opened up with Richard Nixon as the as the U.S. ambassador to China? And it was because uh, his family controlled the huge amounts of money stolen from people that the Nazis killed and, you know, attacked all over Europe and everywhere else and looted. That came out in the London Guardian. That's a well-documented thing about them. And so um, that's basically what they've set up and what they've established and so the Bin Laden family, the Carlisle group, anybody can search these terms. I'm not saying radical Islam doesn't exist. I'm not saying people didn't actually attack us, but they were there opening the door, protecting the groups, covering up what happened, and, and then using that to then go in and not actually take out uh, the Wahhabists, not take out the majority of Islam, 80% is Wahhabist. They actually then started a war to take over geographic areas and take out the Baathists that were more socialist and neutral uh, and, and, and then create a civil war between Shiite and Sunni. Uh, and so if you look at that, it, it really shows that deep relationship set up by Winston Churchill. Uh, and, and then, of course, the Bushes after that uh, with the uh, Muslims, uh, w- with the specific Saudi Arabians. What percent of people who are like political pundits that you see on like corporate media would you guess are somehow under the thumb of the CIA? Well, the CIA is like Walmart. Okay. Or I'd say it's like Coca-Cola, but it's bigger than Coca-Cola. I mean, it's everywhere. It's like, oh, it's so powerful. It's so incredible. Well, yeah, because it's like this table. I mean, the entire apparatus of World War II and all the surveillance and all the construction and all the scientists and everything of the war effort was like, okay, the war's over. Here's our new group. The National Security Act gives us power. It's the CIA. And then you just, oh, it's the Ivy League. There are whiz kids. They get the power. And so then out of that created the cords to all the major corporations that they're able to program and control. So that's why the CIA is so powerful is it was the first big intelligence agency that took over everything. And then JFK comes along, creates NASA to have something secret and uh, other presidents create, you know, 15 other agencies and defense intelligence was the army and the naval intelligence were, were, were predecessors 
but but and then they've been in competition with the CIA. They've been one of the main groups exposing it. Uh, but it's like the big trillion pound gorilla was the CIA from the beginning, and then everything since then has been an attempt to rein it in. It didn't matter whether you were Republican, whether you were Eisenhower, or whether you were Harry Truman. They they both attacked it and said, "Cause he tell them what to do." Like I'm the president. Stop. And they're like, "Yeah, go to hell." So. Yeah, but I'm talking like in contemporary terms. Like, are there some people who, when you see them, you're like right away, like, okay, this is just CIA talking points. This guy's bought or this girl's bought. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So much of it's been put to corporations now, though. Okay. Like, yeah, talking points. I mean, I went to the UN yesterday and they had, you won't live in cities, you'll live in communes. And it shows people in like dirt dugout compounds we live in. Go to the UN down the street. It's unbelievable. Uh, And then I went to Pfizer and they had similar stuff on the walls. It's just corporate. It's UN. At this point, it's the top corporations control governments, control banks, control intelligence agencies, and they just do whatever they want. Um, what criticism of you do you think is the most accurate? I've been on air 27 years. Yeah. And uh, I didn't realize how big my show was. And so I would do things like 4chan and 8chan. I would cover sometimes, and people brought it to me, what they were claiming. So there'd be a public event. And instead of me getting on an airplane and going there to see what I actually thought, I would just go, oh, this is saying that. So the few times I've gotten into pitfalls when I'm like, oh, they say this is going on in a basement in D.C. Because the New York Times was actually reporting on it. They were focusing us away from the WikiLeaks onto this diversion. I covered that. And then they did the same thing with Sandy Hook. But then when it came to Q, I, I saw right through it. I'm like, listen. It tells you all, a lot of stuff is true, but also Trump's invincible and Hillary's at Guantanamo and, and uh, you know, uh, Tom Hanks is there. And I said, this isn't true. I talked to somebody that works in Hollywood. I know that just was running the camera on Tom Hanks. And the listeners, a minority of them go, Jones, you're just not with Q. You don't know what it's like to be at the level of Q. I'm like, listen, I know somebody, a family friend that I've known 30 years. They had lunch with Tom Hanks, he's making a movie in L.A. He's not in Guantanamo, and so I just wanted. Wait, to they go said off. Tom Hanks was in Guantanamo, Guantanamo Bay. Oh, remember all that Q stuff? No, I've, I didn't follow it that much. Okay, well, listen, that's Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, big, yeah, all of it. Wait, the okay. The point was, is that I cover at least like documents and stuff I can do. They were like saying, "Don't worry, Trump's invincible. It's all fixed. You know, all these Hollywood people are evil. They're all been arrested." And I, it wasn't true. And so I said, hey, you're being set up by it. And so on January 6th, it was the left and the FBI, and evidence overwhelming, that manipulated through Q on HN to where out of a million people showed up in D.C., 500 or so did attack the Capitol, believing they were under orders from Q. Like, oh, I'm in this magic relationship with President Trump, and he told me to attack, and I came and I did all this. And you remember all that, oh, Trump's going to win, he's invincible. Yeah. And remember January 20th, oh, Biden will be arrested on the dais, Q says. And these people like believe like this oracle out of the side of a wall, out of this chimney, just telling them what was going to happen. And so I've learned how they know how to pose as us asking questions to put out things that are then discredited. Uh, even people like David Letterman have had issues with like crazy fans. Um, I would imagine that you kind of... Oh, I can hear you. Great. I don't even need my headphones. Okay. Um, I can imagine that you are going to attract some real loons. Have you ever had fan interactions that have gotten kind of scary? Absolutely. Uh, I've had, I don't know, I'm nothing against beards. I have a beard. But it's usually like a guy in a van, and he shows up with a huge beard, and he goes, I'm followed by satellites. They're going to kill me. 
and I know you know how to get the chip out of my brain. And and used to, I'd say, well, sir, I promise. They're like, look, it's following me. It's a satellite. I've had at least three of them say the sun is a satellite. So that's an ongoing. They think the sun's following them. Um, and uh, then when you don't agree, even when you're nice to them, they're like, well, I'm, I'm going to have to make you take the chips out if I have to get my gun and do it. And so then you just learn to never be around those people. And wait, wait, wait. So there's a sitcom where Alex Jones is a, uh, a, a like mandatory brain surgeon <laughs> where they put a gun to your head and they make you take chips out of their head? Well, there's a sitcom. <laughs> I've had these people come to me and say, listen, and the guy's wife sitting right next to him. There's a guy with a big beard. There. It follows me and it's got the chip in my brain right now. And I just need you to help me get it out. I know if you will pray with me, it'll come out of my brain. And I'm like, please, Alex, we love you. Please take the chip out right now. And I'm sitting there, and he's like, I'm like, how are they following? He goes, you know how they're doing it. He goes, and I go, what? He goes, you see it? It's following me, and it's the sun. And I told Joe Rogan one of these stories. He had this happen to him, too. I won't tell the whole story, but in private, he, well, I'm already saying on air, he had a guy think that the sun's following him or whatever. I mean, these people are like, it's it's the same deal. They're totally disconnected from reality and how would they be in this cold crazy world you know things have gotten so crazy well i i mean it's just i think that's kind of a schizophrenic thing it's very paranoid schizophrenia that's that's not an uncommon uh, uh situation is that why antlers are going on your head right now is that why what antlers are going on your head right now oh you're doing stand-up huge teeth right now. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what, is, what is going on i'm being silly i know i know um uh how are you optimistic or pessimistic about this uh nature's this uh, nation's future I'm pessimistic and optimistic. I mean, okay. there's a lot of great things happening. There's a lot of negative things happening. But I'm, I'm actually overall very optimistic. I think the fake lockdowns, the exaggeration uh, over things has really burnt out. I think it's really woken a lot of people up. Yep. And uh, I think that uh, as long as people don't forget about the scam the last year, as long as we keep speaking out and saying no to it, I think that uh, I think it's going to be a learning perspective. Because I think I'm not for putting pressure on people for no reason, but I think this pressure is actually going to cause a lot of good things to happen, not the way the establishment thinks. What do you think? Uh, I think uh, trust, once lost, is very hard to regain. And as soon as you see someone is being evasive or dishonest, it's very hard to, you know, it's like if it's just, just like a find out if your girlfriend's cheating on you, right? Like maybe you trust her that she won't do it again, but you're not going to be able to unring that bell, right? So once some outlet is telling me things that I later found out not to be true and it was very expensive for me, I couldn't go to work or I couldn't leave the house, it's going to take a lot to believe them again. Well, that's it. Exactly. Because once your girlfriend cheats on you or your wife, then every time they go to the store, you think they are. And it's just the uncoolness of it. So then you start cheating. And that's kind of how that works. So, yeah, I think that's where we are. And and I think these big corporations have played games because they feel like, oh, we're corporate heads. We have politicians as front people. We're going to get away with doing this test. But those tests they're doing create ripples that are going to affect them. So I don't. I think they're learning, though. They're not invincible. They're not just doing these type of things and then not having repercussions. One of the things I wrote about in a previous book of mine, The New Right, was uh, the interaction you had with Megyn Kelly and going on her show. Uh, you know, you play the the voicemail message she left for you. Then you know she shows up, and it's immediately you know going to Sandy Hook and all the conspiracies and stuff. And it wasn't. Uh, I want. What was your thoughts? Do you think she was being dishonest with you? Do you think she's a snake? Do you think oh it's just the nature of the game? Yeah, she's a python of snakes. Yeah, I've never recorded anybody else. I mean, I just, it's not even in my wheelhouse. 
But what happened is she calls me like four years ago, whenever it was, and I'm driving down the road. Because I, I told my assistant, yeah, I give her my number. So I'm like driving back from the gym or wherever, and she calls up. And she goes, oh, God, I just think you're so incredible. And I just want to meet you and have dinner and dessert. Oh, my God, you're so amazing. And it was so fake. She had cheesecake shooting out of her whatever. It was so fake that I thought it was like worse than a stripper at a trip club. Okay. That wants you to you know to go to the champagne room. And I was like, uh, and I don't have a record app on my phone, still don't. I was close to my office. I said, let me call you right back. So what you heard was me at the office calling her back and then her like saying that. I said, yeah, I barely ever talked about Sandy Hook. I don't want to talk about it. She goes, oh, we don't want to talk about that. And then as soon as she got there, it's all she wanted to talk about. And then they sued me for what she edited to get around the statute of limitations for that interview. So she'll be added to that. You know, People say I've lost those lawsuits. I've been in three years of pre-trial stuff using anti-slap procedures to try to find out who's behind this, who's doing it, why it's happening, try to make it all about me. They say, oh, it's his whole career. I mean, I've, I've talked about it like 20 times before this. Now people always ask me about it. And then I just turn the TV on or the newspaper, open it up. It's like, Jones is again attacking the family. So I believe the kids died. I believe mass shootings happen. I believe it's terrible. I believe Americans have a right to question anything, but I'm not there. I'm not covering it. I'm not talking about it. Uh, but that's the, always the clear and present thing. He's got to be taken off. They'll say, Michael Malice has got to take this interview down. He, Jones was on there attacking those families. Jones was on there saying I didn't do any of that. And, and so that's on them, though. And, and I think people... Not the families, the lawyers and the media and the whole thing they do, but yeah. Uh, what happened with the Las Vegas shooting? Do you have what's your opinion on that? Oh my God! Uh, again, it's our right to question but things. Just, I got, let me just even explain my question. Everyone, it's just amazing how this was a huge, insane massacre. It was an outdoor concert. The guy had an arsenal in his hotel room, and in Vegas, there's cameras everywhere by its nature. And basically, they just stopped asking about it and went away. Well, that's a really smart question, Michael Malice. Thank you. Um, this event happens, biggest mass shooting in U.S. history. Was it the biggest? Okay. Oh, yeah. My God. Yeah, it was massive numbers of dead. For the exact numbers, you can pull them up. And I just went off the local videos. I interviewed police. And you would have videos of people in casinos showing dead people shot all over the ground. And YouTube was taking them down as fast as you could. And so I didn't know what was going on. And then I talked to some hostage rescue team guys, the FBI, I know, and they said, yeah, there were shooters in three buildings. There were shooters in hotels killing people, hundreds and hundreds of dead. And they were able to cover up what happened because it was part of that Saudi civil war. The Saudis had had a drill that night. Okay. Um, and they'd, they'd had a big counterterrorism summit that week there. And so you had over 10,000 Saudis that had come to town for a big military conference. And then they basically used a gun dealer they'd gotten guns from before, terrorists did, as a way to embarrass Trump is the best knowledge we have, to then set up and do this massacre to basically hold Trump hostage. Uh, but instead, Trump went into Saudi Arabia, took over. You know, you saw the military action. Saudi Arabia made a deal with us, at least up front. And then we were supposed to forget about that because any, any, any of you are listening go, wow, we always hear about Sandy Hook. We always hear about Columbine. We always hear about Aurora. We always hear about Parkland. All those deaths don't combine up to anywhere near Las Vegas. Why are we only hearing about Las... I mean, why are we not hearing about Las Vegas? And we're not hearing about Las Vegas because they want you to forget about what happened at Las Vegas. And that was a... From my intel, and I'm not saying it's perfect, I'm not saying it's 100%, but I have a right as an American to, you know, to say this, that it was a basically Saudi civil war that spilt over to the U.S. 
uh, I don't understand how this would advantage either side in a Saudi civil war. Oh, because because Trump would be distracted and they could, he wouldn't bother them. You own casinos, Mister Trump. We just attacked and showed you what we can do, and we, oh. can, and we can blame it on some patsy. You better do what we want and leave us alone, or we're going to be able to basically take you out. Why, in your opinion, did Trump bomb Syria? Because that seemed out of character for him with the rest of his presidency, and, and the people on CNN were tripping over themselves to praise him when that happened, I remember very distinctly. He got tricked into it because he thought Israel was going to bomb and others were going to bomb after supposedly a chemical attack that turned out to be a false flag if he didn't. So he did a small attack to be able to save face and not have a, a wider war. Okay. Um, what... Is there anything – I want to talk to you about Bohemian Grove because Bohemian Grove is one of those things where if someone is just mainstream and they hear this and how it's described, they think you're a crazy person, right? And then you can go on Wikipedia and look it all up, it, and they still don't know how to reconcile it with uh, um, their version of reality. So can you explain – and you very famously snuck into Bohemian Grove – uh, as I mentioned when we were in Tim Pool together, one of the greatest videos on the internet is you confronting Dave Gergen, uh, the unflappable David Gergen, who I think was chief of staff uh, for presidents and something like that. And you basically made him void his bowels when you uh, confronted him. Can you tell people what... By the way, wrote? you guys are welcome to use anything I've ever done, however you want, on your show. Okay. So if you want to show that clip, you can. But uh, long story short, I'm at the RNC 2004 here in New York City to cover it outside Madison Square Garden. And I see David Gergen coming along. Wait, wait, no, you, you get, don't fast forward. Tell the part about what Bohemian Grove is and how you got in there. Okay, yeah. Four years previous, John Ronson, who's an author, didn't want the liability of sneaking into Bohemian Grove. Okay. And he actually had people that worked there that had passcodes and where to oh, go okay. and how to not get arrested because everybody else had been arrested. So I'd love to like build it up like I was this incredible commando and all this. No, I was given inside knowledge to get in. And I had stuck on some military bases. I had I had done some stuff that nobody else had done. And so Ronson was covering a Waco massacre, and I was there covering. And he said, listen, uh, this is like in 1999. He goes, in about six months, we're going to go to Bohemian Grove. He goes, uh, my World of Wonder Channel 4 won't let me go in. I want you to go in with a hidden camera and get it. They, they worship this big owl. They do all this stuff. And I'm thinking... Uh, yeah, I'll go to California, pay for my plane ticket, and give me $10,000 because I want to put you know, my money. I didn't have hardly any money then. And he goes, yeah, done. So six months goes by. I fly there, go to San Francisco, get in the car, drive to Santa Rosa. I get there. I get briefed. I meet with you know this lawyer that's an insider that goes to the Grove, uh, and they said they want this to get out. And, want, and, and, and so I get in. I sneak Wait, past. can you explain to people what it is? Oh, yeah. Um, it's a 2,700-acre Redwood Grove that was originally set up by real liberals, not bad liberals, good liberals. Uh, an incredible American patriot, Mark Twain, was one of the founders of it. And it was where a place where guys could go in a very controlled culture and drink and party and have a good time and do whatever they wanted. And so that was started in the 18, early 1870s when San Francisco was the big gold rush. And Mark Twain was one of the founders. And by about 1900, it was the coolest place in the U.S. And U.S. presidents were riding for a month, taken out to go there and spend time at Bohemian Grove. They shipped in all these hookers, and it was this huge, giant party. So you fast forward all of these decades to the year 2000, 
British TV wants me to sneak in there. They were honest about it. They said, we have liability. They won't let us. But they said, we will give you the camera and the hidden gear with a fanny pack. We want you to sneak in. We want to give you the clothes. We want to give you the advice. We want to give you the, 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 the codes to get in. We want to tell you specifically where to go. So I get there, hang out a few days. It's the, it's the, it's the 15th of July where they reportedly do this weird Moloch ritual to this big stone you say it's an owl, but it also has horns. It could be like a bull. Moloch's really a bull, but they call it an owl. And so I sneak in at about 2 o'clock, and I got this hidden camera, and I got this map, and I've already snuck around the Secret Service and all these people, and I'm going around to the woods, and it's big mountains, and there's like 2,000 people in there. And Secret Service questions me, and I'll say, oh, I'm with the hillbillies, and I tell them the code I'm giving. They go, okay, well, go ahead. And the hillbillies is where they actually the bushes go. It's one of the most elite camps. And the chalets, the most elite, where Henry Kissinger and people stay up at the top of the hill, uh, where they have these little special talks everybody wants to be part of. And so I get in there, and I get questioned by the sheriff's department. I say, that's it. So I climb under, after they let me go, I climb under uh, a uh, deck and wait about two hours. And millipedes and spiders are under there. starts getting dark. And I go, okay, here's my map. I'm up here on the hill. If I go down here to this certain spot, this is going to be where that little lake is, where they have the owl and everything. So I go down, and they're they're playing Hall of the Mountain King, Karina Barana. Dun, 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 And they're under these huge tables under huge redwoods eating steak and everything else. So I go, and I wait by this big stone owl, 45 foot tall, and I wait. And it gets dark, and there's bats flying around this little, little pond, and lights are going on around me and all these old men get around me and, and I'm like oh this is just theater they're just like they bring out this yeah. you have a child they burn it before the owl but it's all falsified about giving up their guilt passing their sins on to the scapegoat and the old men are just like <sighs> like really getting off during this so that's how I knew they were taking it really really serious and so out of that I, I then researched Bohemian Grove and found out that it's like they have German death cults and, and like these juridic cults in Europe that then became Skull and Bones at Yale in 1830s, that then became uh, what is Bohemian Grove. Bohemian Grove didn't start out as that, but it became that, and it's now, according to German chancellors and others that have written books, one of the most important sacred druidic sites in the world. And I only caught one of the rituals on tape, the only person ever get it out on video. And I, and, and I, and I liken it to like it was an inside job. I wasn't part of the inside job, but people wanted that out. Freemasons, that's a historic major conspiracy theory. There was an anti-Masonic party that ran for that even had a presidential candidate. What's the deal with the Freemasons? Well, that's right. Uh, well, after the country was founded, there was a big anti-Masonic party. They wrote proofs of this conspiracy. Um, and, and definitely any fraternal order can be powerful. It's a gang. I don't think all Masons are bad. I think George Washington was a great person. He wrote letters that are in the National Archives. You can go to the... Uh, National Archives Online, the Library of Congress, type in George Washington's Illuminati Letters. And it's him criticizing, we want our own revolution against tyranny, but we don't want the French Revolution of just murder and death. So he was a good Mason. But Masonry predates Christianity. And so it was the mystery schools. So it's like saying, I don't like Masons. Well, that's like saying you went to college, they offered 100 courses, you didn't like the main course they were pushing. Masonry was just the mystery schools Predating Christianity. Well, sorry, it's not Christian because Christianity didn't exist then. And um, Solomon's Temple is a big part of it. 
uh, Egypt, Babylon, uh, all the Greeks, that's all masonry is simply stuff passed down by groups and organizations. Have they used masonry as a, as a, as a group for corruption? Has it been involved in bad stuff? Absolutely. Uh, but is it like the big grand deal? No, the average Mason, it's like a fundraising group. They have like steak and pizza once a week or, and then maybe like twice a year strippers come and like, it's really rebelish that they're for freedom. So a stripper came, I mean, the average Masonic hall is not involved in anything, uh, nefarious, like the average Catholic church isn't. It's just when you get to the hierarchy at the top of these things, yeah, it's, it's the same group. One of the things, uh, uh, G. Gordon Liddy passed a lo- uh, passed away not too long ago. His autobiography, Will, is just really superb. And at one point, he pride himself for having defy. He was currently defying the Supreme Court and Congress and the presidency. And one thing he talked about in his book is he was one of the spooks who broke into Watergate. He was one of Nixon's bagmen. Is that he was calling his contact at the either the CIA or um, the FBI, and he was saying, "Look." If things get bad, just tell me what street corner to be in, and you could take me out. I just don't want my family involved. How concerned are you that you're going to spill the beans and put yourself or your family in danger? And if not, why haven't some? Why hasn't something been done to take you out already? Well, Liddy was a soldier for America. I mean, yeah. he, exactly. He said, like, kill me if you need to. He want to make don't get don't come to my house and kill my family. Yeah, because that's what they do. They'll kill your family to make it look like you killed them. So Liddy was actually saying, don't kill my children. Yeah, don't kill me. Just I mean, don't kill them, kill me, which is a really manly thing to do, uh, which shows he's not a lightweight. Uh, and that was even back then, they'd kill your family to make you look bad. I mean, now they're just, they'd love to because uh, they're such pieces of crap. But what was the main question? Why haven't you been taken out or are you concerned ever that you're going to say something and it's going to put a target on your back like there isn't one already? You know, um, there's not just powerful elites. God is involved. And I'm already so prominent and I've already made so many connections that they realize it's like pool. Like if you know the shot you're going to make, you know, you're going to make it, but they don't know the breaks here. And so if they kill me, it could make me even more powerful where everybody goes back and looks at what I've said. So instead they're politically assassinating me and they're financially assassinating me. And then if they can get me politically assassinated and demonized, then I can be killed. So first they kill your name, then they kill your pocketbook. Then they kill you physically. Uh, but I, I'm not really concerned about that. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I signed on to this a long time ago, my own will, and so I, I, I trust in God. People say, "Oh, well, what is God?" Well, I trust in the universe. I trust in the way I've seen the magic of the way the universe works. And there's not just evil in the universe. There's also good. And so, if I gotta get killed for America, if everything I've got from it, I mean, I believe in that. I want to see the city on the hill. I want to see the power of humans turned loose. I want to see that. And if I'm not willing to die for that, well, then we're not going to get that. So for me, it is a extreme. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not a, a masochist, a sadomasochist. I don't like pain. I don't like death. But I've also conquered fear of death, made a friend of death, and uh, it's actually really cool. I mean, I don't want to die, but if I get killed in the service of humanity, that's good because that waters the tree of liberty that Thomas Jefferson talked about. And so that's really where I'm at. And that, that's what freaks them out because they all live under peer pressure and fear and they fear about giving up their body. And I, I, I don't. So that, what, that's, what do you like least about America? Anything so productive and so powerful and so creative becomes a hollow shell of itself, becomes a decadent lying fraud. And so I'm a big fat blob and, and have decadent problems and I'm, I'm pathetic. I know all these great things and won't even do good things myself half the time. 
And so I don't like America pissing on its birthright and turning the whole world over to evil when we really do have a mission, I think, to inspire by example, not inspire by conquest. Uh, and so, and I, and I get your frustration fetishizing the police, fetishizing the military. Uh, you know, what really matters is who runs those systems or who dismantles them. And if we develop the free energy or if we develop the new culture or the new language, we don't need a military to dominate. We want to, we want to not dominate. We want to transcend. And then, so that's really my mission. So I'm not an enemy of the FBI. I'm not an enemy of black people, white people, gay people, straight people. I don't care. I love everybody. I'm an enemy of those that want to tell me I'm bad and that I need to follow and subserve myself to their will. And it's that attempt to make me bow to their will that I will not stand with. What do you see is the biggest threat that the globalists, as you call them, have coming down the pike? That's a really important question. They've gotten rid of rules of nature and believe because they use psychology that they're exempt. And when you suppress something, at first it feels like you're winning and then it builds like almost a harmonic oscillation that's explosive. And so I don't know all the different angles that's going to take place, but I've learned in my own life that if you try this type of stuff, it creates really explosive situations. And so uh, I'm I'm worried about what all their oppression is going to cause because they think they're going to create a revolution, this big birth of a new thing, and instead they might just blow the planet up. I mean, it just seems too experimental. Like, 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 I don't like what their goals are. I don't like them, but I get they're being experimental. But they don't even have any idea what the experiment's supposed to be. It's like sticking your dick in a light socket. What was your question? It was a really good question. I don't remember now. No, I said, what are you most concerned about with coming down the pike from the globalists, as you call them? I think, oh, that's a really good question. Yeah, I'm going to answer that now. Well, they're worried Wait, about... How, how do you get a dick into a light socket? It's a joke. Well, I mean, how would you even do Mine it? Mine is so small. Oh, okay. The point is... Is yours double-pronged? Yes. It's four-tongued. <laughs> like a, like a kangaroo. You know, kangaroos have that. Yes. I didn't know that, but they I don't do. Worry. Marsupials do. Well, what I'm getting at is is that... This is a really important point. You're saying... What was the question again? Kangaroos. No, the question before that. I don't. I, I like kangaroos. No, I said, what are you most concerned about the coming down the pike from yeah, the globalists? Yeah, here, here's what I'm most concerned them. about. While they're busy trying to dominate our language and our culture and how we behave, they're not worried about hadron colliders and they're not worried about fission fusion and artificial suns and black holes they're creating and all the super science, which is great and amazing, but they're not even worried. It's like we're all collateral damage in their experiment while they play God. And so I, I worry about scientists playing God without any, any predisposed thought about what could be the downsides. And while they want this right to rule and dominate us, they don't respect our free will at, at all. So I think any elite that doesn't respect people's free will is a bad elite. And this this elite wants to control our speech. It wants to tell us what to think. And then that's that's a fundamental sign. That's bad. And and, and then meanwhile they're, you know, creating all these super weapons and everything else. I, I just I really think that they're not in touch with, with, with God. They're not in touch with the eons of human existence and every, our ancestors, whatever you want to call it, the ethos, the, the, the wind of the universe. They're not dialed into that, and they're playing God and thinking they're invincible, and I think it's going to destroy them. Alex, we're running out of time. What has been your favorite part of this interview? Well, I wanted to come on and have you talk because I was so obnoxious on Tim Pool's show. And I apologize for that. And I want you to come on my show 
when you come to Austin for like a two-hour commercial free where you'll get to talk, you can create your whole list of things and send it to a big audience. Uh, but I've had just fun hanging out with you, Michael, because you're, you're a good guy. And I also have always watched your stuff. I've liked you for like six, seven, eight years. But I mean, what, 10 years I've been interviewing you? Sure. Something like that. Point is, I like, I like what you say. It always makes sense. It's funny, and I get your jokes. And then I'm like, yeah, hey, I was a jerk the last few times I was with that guy, so I'm just glad to be back here with you. And uh, I just want to see what you do next and who you interview, and I, I, I'm a fan. And so that's that's it. You are welcome. 